Good morning, everybody. It's, it's good to see everybody here today. We're, we're so thankful to have you here, and I'm pretty happy about the snow, too. Some people might not be, but I am. Um, so we're, we're going to switch it up a little bit this week. Uh, the four of us got together with, with Peepa, and we decided that if we put our four brains together, we could almost come up with one whole sermon. So we're going to try to start with that there. So we'll all be kind of t- tag-teaming it this morning. And uh, um, so we're doing a, uh, an evangelical lesson this morning. <laughs> and, and we took some inspiration. We've been learning in Peepaw's class about uh, Peter and Paul. And, and their journeys and their, and their work. So we're taking some inspiration from that. <clears throat> so my first, my first leg of the race here is with, with here. We kind of broke it down into those five steps that we all know well. Hear, believe, confess, repent, and be baptized. So with here, what are we trying to hear? What are, or what are we trying to get people to hear? Whichever end of the stick you're on. Which that's that would the simple answer to that is the Bible. But what is the Bible? It's it's not just a regular book. It's not a collection of books. It's not it's not just a story either. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter ten verses seventeen. There we go. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But surely I say to you, they have heard, have they? Indeed they have. So what this, this verse kind of means, faith comes from hearing, and hearing the word of God. So hearing is an, there's, there's two different concepts of hearing. Hearing is a sense where you hear a noise, and then there's listening, which is different. It's where you hear something, and then you comprehend it. You, you work to understand it. So under, another way of stating that would be understanding comes from the word. Understanding comes from hearing the word. So the word is understanding. The word also produces faith. You can't believe in something that you don't understand or that you don't at least understand parts of. And, and the word is that. It's our connection to faith. <clears throat> also, if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So, as I was talking about earlier, this is not just a 2,000-year-old dead, stale book. It's alive, it's active, and it means something. It's God's way of communicating with us. And this is important to, to spread. It's God's standard. It's his two-edged sword that is able to judge the thoughts of man. Nothing is hidden with it. So this means that, obviously, that would be something you would want to share with people, that power. And as I will probably hit on again, 
you know, the word in itself is a powerful object. It does a lot of the legwork. You'll be surprised how many times you can go out there and just get people to start listening to it or start listening to it yourself and how many things it's going to do to you and not you have to make happen. It, it puts in a lot of the legwork. So then, if you'll turn with me also to Revelations chapter 2, verses 7. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree which is in the paradise of God. So in Revelations, it's, it's a confusing book. It's got a lot of symbolisms in it. But, you know, here God's trying to tell us, don't tell some people. Don't tell your, only the people you like. Don't tell only your best friend or your mother. Go tell all those people, but go tell everybody. Anybody that has an ear. But then it also says, it kind of hints at hearing's the first step to overcoming the sin problem. To overcome the sin problem, you have to hear first, and then you can work work from there and if you work from there and you work at it and you get over the hump then you get to be in paradise with God and that all starts with hearing and it all starts with us helping other people to start hearing and us not forgetting to hear ourselves and so that's what I've got I'm going to pass it on over to Owen now who's going to talk about uh, believing Uh, first of all, I'd like to just say good morning um, and wanted to open up with the fact that uh, I've been or just did the FFA Creed a little bit ago and I learned a couple things from that. Uh, first of all, I'm not very good at public speaking, so please bear with me. Uh, and the second is how important the words I believe are, which uh, those words are the start of every paragraph. Uh, of the FFA Creed. Um, but I today I'm not going to talk about it in that sense, but I'm going to talk about believing in the Christian sense. Uh, first, I just wanted to read the definition of the word believing, which is to have confidence or faith in the truth of or to give credence to. Uh, believing is the second step in the walk towards life, or towards uh, eternal life and becoming a Christian and it's very crucial because believing causes action uh, people will act on what they believe in so it's really important to get this step down because if the person you're evangelizing to doesn't believe what they're hearing then they won't act upon it uh, and the Bible does several times Praise and encourage people of great faith or uh, praises obtaining this. Uh, the first verse that I wanted to bring up was Acts 16, verse 31.
which says, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And to put some context on this verse, uh, Paul is in a jail and then the, all the doors and gates come open and the jailer's worried for his own life because he knows the punishment for uh, letting the prisoners escape his death. So he's about to uh, kill himself, and then Paul tells him, don't do that because uh, we're all still here. And he's just amazed by the generosity that they've shown to him and uh, decides to uh, take action on his belief and become baptized. Uh, which is just a great example of the Bible encouraging people to be of faith and believe and then take the action after believing. In uh, belief, there are several other verses that deal with belief uh, and why it's important. Romans 10.10 is one of them, which says, for with the heart you will be, uh, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So this verse points out that uh, believing and taking uh, other steps, like confessing, uh, will result in your salvation if you take the action after believing. Hebrews 11.6 also has to do with believing, which says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So this verse says that you can't even uh, make it to salvation at all if you don't believe. You can't even like be around him if you don't believe. Uh, another great example that I have uh, that's in the Bible is Paul's life. Uh, he went from persecuting Christians to becoming a great Christian himself, which if you look at his life, his pivoting point was when he started to believe and then took action on the belief and became a great Christian. And uh, then my last point that I wanted to talk about is once you've gotten or once you become a believer, what does that do to you? Well, because you act on your belief, uh, it can make you act in better ways and become a better Christian and spread the word and just lead you down nobler paths. Um, and also, if you take action on your belief, you can work your way further down the steps to becoming a Christian, uh, which is to confess, which at this time I'd like to invite Bex up here to expand on that. All right. I guess it's my turn to say good morning. So good morning for the third and most likely not final time. But uh, so it's actually coincidentally convenient because right after we picked what topics we were going to discuss, I was reading up and I read this study that they took that uh, the results found that there were three things 
that we as humans have the hardest time saying. The first being, I was wrong. The second is that I need help. And the third is Horstichestershire sauce. Okay. Now, conveniently enough for myself, I don't have to talk about that last one. But for those first two, you know, those are difficult things to say. And, you know, they're, they're also very important things. And so today I get to talk about with you um, the acts of confessing and repenting. And now these are very difficult things because to confess and to repent is, as Christians is to say that I was wrong and is to say that I need help. And from the evangelistic point of view, to, you know, to tell someone else that they're uh, required to confess and to repent is to say that they, they are also wrong, you know, and that they also need God's help. And so, you know, it's a really difficult topic, but it's also very crucial to our, um, to our walk to salvation. And so I'm going to start out with a verse here in the book of 1 John. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to it. In chapter 1, here, verse 9, says... If we confess our sins, He is faithful and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So um, we can infer from, or you know, what we get from this text is that confessing, you know, it's not implied, it's not inferred that we need to confess. You know, we're commanded to confess. It, it is essential. It is required, right? And so, you know, what do we do when we confess? What do we gain? So by confessing. Or first of all, when we confess, right, it's an act of us to God, right? We don't need to confess to other people. It's, it's for our own benefit, right? It's admitting to God that we are sinners and we are imperfect without Him and that we need God's love and God's grace for our salvation, right? We're acknowledging God's power over us and what He can do for us. So... um. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, right? So, uh, one of the more controversial points is confessing to another member of your church, right, or uh, another church member, and that's um, it's not incorrect, right? You're um, you're allowed to do that because you know if you feel that that'll benefit you more, of course, involve your church family, but it's for our personal benefit. It's for the benefit of the sinner. It's it's our way of showing God that we need Him and that we are imperfect without him. And so once we realize this, right, once we uh, say to God that we or you know, once we confess, we are ready to move on, right? We want to progress our life in the right direction. We want to move closer to God. So then comes the point of repenting, right? We mourn over our sin. We feel sorrow for our sin. We, you know, that's where we go to God and we say, look, I've sinned and I do not want to sin. I want to live my life according to Christ, and I want to live according to you. And so I'm going to bring up another passage here in the book of Acts. So turn on over to Acts chapter 17. We're going to start in uh, verse 30. It says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So this is, you know, this is our new law. And God is commanding us to repent. So not only is it required, not only is it essential to confess, but we are commanded as well to repent. So it's just as important, you know, it's equally as important for our salvation. 
So when we repent, right, it's the, the, uh, the same concept as when we confess, right? It's, it's for our own benefits, for the sinner's benefit. It's going to God and reflecting upon our sin and, you know, feeling or mourning over our sin. And um, the thing that, uh, the point that ties these two together is the fact that we as Christians are constantly sinning, right? We're constantly making mistakes and we're constantly in need of God's forgiveness. We're in need of God's grace and love. And so we need to constantly be reminded, right? We need to come around the table, right? We confess of our sins. We repent for our sins. We go to God and we, you know, we feel that sorrow for the sins that we've committed against him. And we ask for God's help and God's love. And it's a difficult thing to do, but it's, you know, it's crucially important for our salvation. And um, once we've accomplished these, we move and uh, Cooper will expand on that. But um, thank you. Good morning for the fourth and possibly the last time. <clears throat> so I had the fifth step in our five-step walk to Christ, which was baptism. But we also added on another step, which was the Christian life, which I'll get to in a second. But uh, between the five steps, I personally feel that baptism may be one of the most important, just because it is how we finally do reach Christ. But from an, evan- uh, an evangelical standpoint, many people don't know about baptism or many other things involved with baptism. And so it's just important that when you are evangelizing that this is a pretty widely known topic of the people you are evangelizing to. So one of the first points I would like to bring up is, um, is it essential? Because many people don't know this, whether they haven't heard about baptism before or they've heard from a different church about reaching God without baptism. So if you would just turn with me first to uh, Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19. will be the first verse of today. Uh, And this is during the Great Commission when Jesus is about to ascend up to heaven and is sending out all of his disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. So right there, pretty big, bold letters. Jesus is commanding them to go get baptized and to baptize those who they do evangelize. And so um, that kind of leads to the point of, well, if Jesus is saying to go get baptized, why is he saying this? You know, what makes it so important? What is baptism in the first place? And so um, for that one, I'm going to have us turn to Acts 2, 38 through 39. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for whom the Lord our God will call. That's a really powerful verse to me, personally, just because if we are out and evangelizing and seeing someone who has barely heard of Christ, even, you know, and they come out and see that there is hope, they're... They have the chance to not only be baptized, but to have all of their sins forgiven, to join in and gain the Holy Spirit, and also that they can go and then learn the Bible even more and come into Christ. And so that's one of my favorite verses because it's open to everyone, and it specifically says that multiple times. And so, you know, that's a really big point in baptism is how we can go in and once we are baptized, we're in the Christ family. 
there's no denial. They, you, you can always make it in here. All you have to do is learn about the word and then join in. That It's your own personal choice. And so that's one of the really big things is just having them know about it and having the other steps. And so that's what evangelism really is, is just going out and showing them these other steps so that they can join the family because there's nothing stopping them except for the lack of knowledge. And so just being baptized can get them to enter in. But then after being baptized, too, is the sixth step that we added in, which was the Christian life, which is preached about a lot and how we actually have to do stuff after we are baptized. Because we can't just be baptized and then say, oh, we're all good, and then just go on and sin and do whatever and say we still make it to heaven. We do have to keep going forward. And one of those big points is to just keep evangelizing, as most of us do, which um, Matthew 13, 3 through 9, we'll talk about which many of us know this parable is the parable of the sower. I personally like this one, you know, just because it, it does talk about a lot in this. So uh, Matthew 13, 3 through 9. <clears throat> then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. <clears throat> that one goes really along with the Great Commission, you know? It's Jesus just telling them, you have to go out and spread the word, and if we don't, nothing's going to happen. Sure, some of it may fall on a path and never spring up at all, some of it will come up, you know, really fast, but then just die out immediately. Some will just be choked out by its surroundings, but others, that will spring up and produce 160, 30 times more, you know? But it's not going to happen unless we spread that seed. We may not be able to see the seed as it comes through. We may not even know if it will work or not and just throw the seed out there. But as long as we're throwing that seed out there, some of them will catch. And that's the only way that they're going to catch is if someone is throwing that seed out there. So that's a really big part, is that after we are baptized, we do have to live that Christian life and continue to preach the word and spread the word. Otherwise, it's never going to get around. <clears throat> and then my final verse is just also the Matthew 28, 20, verse 20, which is that same great commission, but just after them. <clears throat> after he teaches them to go out and baptize, he also says, "...and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you." And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's Jesus agreeing, you know, saying that if you guys don't go out and teach, nothing's going to get done. So once you are going out and baptizing, you must also teach so that they can have knowledge and then they can go out and teach. Because that's the only way that the word's going to spread. <clears throat> so after that, John, you come up and give us an invitation. So after we finish this morning, please come up and talk to these young men and continue to encourage them. One of the things that I learned about sales is uh, you need a lot of encouragement because sales is hard. And we're not selling a product just uh, to our own benefit, are we? But we are trying to make something that is uh, to change somebody's life. And, and that can be challenging. I remember uh, I used to sell Kirby's. Uh, yeah, I used to sell Kirby's. I like Kirby's, Kirby vacuum cleaners. One of the things you have to do when you create a sales, you create a sales list. When they create the sales list, what do you put on there? You put on everybody you know. 
from mom and dad to grandparents, brothers, sisters, cousins, neighbors down the street, all those people that you come in contact with at school. You run into them, you talk to them, hey, how would you like me to come over? I have a product that's very interesting. Well, pretty soon you're gonna run out of that list. Pretty soon all those people that you know, uh, you've already talked to. Now you gotta go out and talk to people who you don't know, and that's a challenge. But, where does the power come from? Power comes from the Word. Power comes from God. People are saved by the message. And we need to, as Cooper did very well at the end here, saying, hey, our job's not done once we become a Christian. But we need to continue to spread the seed. Because God left that job to us to do. And I'm so very proud of these young men who are learning the job. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you, our elders and families who are teaching them. And uh, we have more to continue to teach. But that being said, the message is for all of us. And as each one of them brought up, there's an individual aspect to it of accepting it. There are those here today in our households and, and around the world who we need to hear. We need to believe. We need to repent and confess. We need to be baptized into Christ for forgiveness of sins. And we need to recognize the power of spreading the seed, the message of Christ. Some of you here today may need that thrust right in your heart, that two-edged sword that came out of Hebrews, right? To recognize, hey, we can wait 30 minutes, 40 minutes for this baptismal to get filled if you want to take that opportunity today to come into Christ and have your sins forgiven. This is your moment. It's not your only moment, but your moment right now. If there's anybody here who has that need or any other for prayers or otherwise, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. Oh, Jesus.